Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Larson. Today, Paul will be discussing how he uses targeted HIT training to achieve maximum results with his athletes. Specifically, we'll be looking at how you can optimize your HIT training using long and short intervals. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. Their technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market, and they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Paul onto the show. So, Paul Larson, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's absolutely fantastic to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me here, Matt. It's an absolute pleasure. So, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are, what you've done, and uh, what you're up to at the moment? Yep. So I am currently CEO of the, uh, of the science and application of high intensity interval training, uh, hit science, we call ourselves. And yeah, my brief background is, is really, I, I come from the sport of triathlon. Uh, I call myself a semi-pro cause I failed miserably at trying to be a pro at it. <laughs> and then of course, what do you do when you can't, uh, can't do well in your, in your sport? You, you go to sports science and, uh, that took me as a Canadian to, uh, to doing bachelor's and master's. And then I uh, got a scholarship to the University of Queensland in Australia, did, um, did my PhD down there. And then I did uh, seven years uh, as a professor, got, um, and did lots of work with the Australian Institute of Sport. And then that work caught the interest of, uh, of the New Zealand government, got headhunted over there for 10 years, did two Olympic cycles, with the New Zealand uh, Olympic program, leading their physiology team, all the while doing research. And then I really uh, loved coaching um, and at the same time married a gal from Canada. And we, we head, headed back to, to Canada. And here I built Hit Science with my colleague, Martin Bichette. And, and uh, yeah, we're now, we're now Hit Science and we're, we're teaching the science and application of high-intensity interval training. We don't just know the science, but a lot like you guys, we also really want to know the um, or apply the practical uh, aspects to our to our athletes, and that's where we're at now. Fantastic! So you've got you've got a little bit of experience there, and uh, and a lot of uh, of coaching years under your belt. Um, in terms of what we're going to discuss today, we're going to look at two different uh, questions as such: long intervals and short intervals. So should we crack on with part one, long intervals? Can you take us through what long intervals are and why they're important? Yeah, even if you don't mind first, I just want to even define high-intensity interval training. If, if we can sort of start there, like because there's lots, as, as we always say, there's loads of st- ways to skin the cat when it comes to training. But we need to start by just defining high-intensity interval training. And it's typically, it's periods of bouts of exercise that are in the red zone. Okay, so there's, these are hard, uh, hard efforts. Um, they're above your critical power, critical velocity threshold, whatever you want to call it, but they're unsustainable for long durations, blood lactates accumulating. And um, yeah, you you know, fatigue is mounting and you got to take a pause. Of course, when you do take a pause, and that's the critical feature is when you rest and recover between the bouts, 
you can, you know, obviously get back in and repeat that that bout and that intensity. And what, what what winds up happening is you can do more overall work in your red zone than if you were to just do the same hard all out for a long period of time. You, you're you're accumulating more um, more bouts in your red zone, and of course, you're getting uh, the the adaptations are a little bit more profound. So that's exciting for the practitioner just to, to, to appreciate that. And of course, over to your question, lots of ways to skin the cat. So um, there's, you know, there's, there's five of these, but, uh, you know, we, we break them down into five different formats. But the first one is, is long intervals. So to, the, your first question, what are long intervals? Well, these are um, exercise bouts that kind of sit in around your VO2 max exercise intensity, if you're familiar with that. You'll, uh, and they're and they're for generally long durations. And we, what we define as long is two to five minutes of of uh, exercise intensity around that VO two max uh, level. All right, so typically around you know ninety ninety two percent to one hundred and one percent of your v um, the velocity or power that's associated with your with your VO two max. And then they're separated by periods of recovery that tend to be between, you know, two, um, one and, and three minutes in duration. Uh, you know, there's a lot, you know, different, different, very, you know, different lengths of that can be done, but that's generally the optimal level of recovery to get the best response. And these, yeah, two, two minutes of passive walking tends to be best practice. So that, you know, that's, that's to, to your first question. What are long intervals? Fantastic. So what are the key uh, physiological adaptations that you're looking for when you're going to implement implement these? Yeah, and that's the, the cool thing we uh, we pride ourselves on with hit science is that we really take a physiological based approach and we there's you know we try to break it down and make it things as simple as possible from a physiological level. Obviously, we can we can really go into the weeds and get really messed up into the test tubes, chase molecules around in them. But if we're going to keep things as simple as possible, there's three physiological adaptations that you're going to be trying to get from any sort of uh, training program. The first one is your aerobic oxidative response. Response, okay? We're um, we need to be, you know, using aerobic energy. It's the predominant one that we want to be be using because you know, no harmful byproducts and. Um, you know, great massive levels of ATP and, you know, it's, it's free energy ultimately. So we really want to always be optimizing those ones. Uh, the second key physiological adaptation we're after is our anaerobic lactic one. And, uh, you know, this is uh, the ones associated with a little bit of burning, um, depletion of, uh, of the sugar stocks, the glycogen levels that are in the muscle. And then the third and typically most elusive one which is the is the neuromuscular uh, aspect. So there's, that's the that's the third sort of missing variable that we're uh, that, that you're often aiming for in a in a hit session, and that is where you know it really be associated with your maximal muscle recruitment levels, muscle damage. You'll feel sore soreness um, if you've had a big physio, um, sorry neuromuscular response. So those are the three key physiological targets, and. With your long intervals to your question, what are we hitting? Well, you're hitting, you're definitely hitting the aerobic oxidative response. Um, so, you know, you're, you, you know that because you'll, you'll, the, one of the key hallmarks of the VO2 max interval is the high breathing rates you, you notice with athletes. So, you want to see that. You'll see high heart rates and you'll see high breathing rates. 
the second one, you'll also notice they, they hurt, they keck. <laughs> and uh, they're um, associated with high levels of blood lactic acid, of course. And then the third one that you can also, um, you know, that's often hit, doesn't have to be, this depends on the typically the mode of exercise that you choose, but you can often get a, a neuromuscular response, especially if it's running based. So we break these down in hit science into different types based on those three physiological responses, all right, type, type one through six, ultimately, and it, they all relate to the degree of physiological strain in those three targets. And for long intervals, we call these uh, the, the, basically the, the decisions that you get to make in your programming skills are type three or type four. So type three response is like um, aerobic and anaerobic. You, so it's it's obligatory, you know, aerobic and, and anaerobic for long intervals due to the, the duration effect of the long interval. It's always going to be spinning lactate as well. But also the um, you can have a neuromuscular, a degree of neuromuscular strain in there as well um, so to make it a type four response, um, especially if it's run based because of the you know, high exercise intensity for long durations. And typically you're going to get a, if it's run based, you'll have some, some muscle soreness. So you could potentially in a, a type four be looking at blocks of, uh, five minutes, uh, of running, uh, as opposed to in a type three, maybe blocks of five minutes, um, on a, on a bike or rowing, uh, ergo. Perfect. Exactly. You got it. So you've just in, in your example, you've just taken, um, you've switched one key variable and that's the exercise mode and you've removed the neuromuscular strain from your, the same, you know, uh, prescription ultimately, but you've removed that muscle damage or neuromuscular component and you've gone and switched the, um, the, the type of exercise from type four to type three in our model. So do you think that coaches could uh, potentially win a reasonable amount of adaptation by implementing a little bit more type three as opposed to type four, especially looking at things like team sports where they're doing a lot of volume already, um, but potentially you have athletes who could benefit from a little bit of extra aerobic work. Do you think there's still uh, wins to be made there? Well, absolutely. And you've again, you've just given a great example of why you're going to be ta- – um, you know, th- this model is kind of important – uh, you know, if you are making it run based, you're making it a type four type long interval, um, you're really, you know, playing with fire, so to speak, and running the risk of, of, of creating an injury in your athlete. Um, but at the same time, you want to keep that fitness level up. So you, so what can you do? Well, you, yeah, you switching the exercise mode, you're lowering the incidence or the chance that there's going to be a, you know, a muscle tear or a rupture or whatever other type of injury you could potentially get when it's run-based and you're still tuning the motor, right? You're still tuning the engine, but protecting the chassis ultimately. I think that's a, a really nice way of, uh, of looking at it as well. Excellent. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. So that will be long intervals. How does that differ then from short intervals? 
Yeah, well, short intervals, and this is really Martin's baby. The guy has done so much research into this one, and he really leads the way. But it's, it winds up being the most versatile um, and uh, of all of the hit types. And it's because of the short intervals. We, we'll, we'll just define these first of all. Now, these are intervals that range from 10 seconds to 60 seconds and um, of, of work exercise and t- um, bouts. And at a, at a little bit higher intensity, typically than the long intervals, you're pushing the intensity a little bit more and more and kind of between the 100 and 120% of VO2 max, VVO2 max. And then they'll have um, equivalent levels of pause or rest or relief. And, uh, you know, typically around 10 to 60 seconds. And the, the it's the pause or relief interval that really makes the big difference here because now we can we can move from type one through to type four uh physiological targets being hit so you can really move the levers so to speak on those three physiological targets you'll make it um you know uh you can you can have aerobic oxidative uh going on in in all of those type one through four but you can totally down regulate your anaerobic glycolytic uh content just by having longer pauses. And this is due to another really cool physiological feature. This is the, um, you know, we'll all be familiar with the hemoglobin molecule, but we're a lot, often we forget about the myoglobin. Now the hemoglobin, of course, carries the, 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 red, um, the oxygen via the red blood cell, but the myoglobin is the equivalent that sits inside the muscle. And it um, holds on to oxygen whenever you're in that recovered uh, situation. So if you're sitting on a chair listening, uh, then your muscle is fully saturated with, with oxygen, completely bound to that myoglobin. But when you're, when you're exercising vigorously, that myoglobin, of course, completely depletes and um, you know, it's, it's giving all of its oxygen that's stored on board to the, to the muscle to do its job of aerobic respiration. Um, but the cool thing is, as soon as you pause or stop, well, it resaturates very, very quickly. So you can, by, by doing these um, pauses of appropriate durations relative to the exercise duration, you can totally downregulate your, uh, your anaerobic glycolytic, your, your, um, your blood lactic acid response. And the classic example is, say you did like, um, you know, uh, 20 minutes or 20 seconds on, 20 seconds off, or 10 seconds on, 10 seconds off. Uh, these types of exercises are short intervals. You can still be at VO2 max. So you can still actually have that whole um, heavy breathing going on. But you're at uh, a blood lactic acid level of four or less when we first saw this, it, we were just absolutely blown away that this could actually be possible, right? When, you, when you're familiar with a typical VO2 max test where blood lactic acid is, is so much higher and typically goes 8 to 14 or more in, in certain individuals. Well, you can do, still be at VO2 max but with a, um, or near VO2 max with a, a blood lactic acid at 4. So imagine how potent that is and powerful that is to still get that aerobic response but for it to have a very low blood lactic acid response and a low, you know, sympathetic nervous response, they're not stressed. So imagine the repeatability effect on that, you know, as we know that consistency of training over time is important. 
So, yeah, I mean, I've kind of gone, along, gone along, on a long time here, Matt, but I'm just, I get so excited when I talk about short intervals now. Mate, it's, uh, it's really interesting to hear you talk about it so passionately because it engages me at least and hopefully uh, the people listening too. Um, so potentially for the, for the shorter intervals, it gives you that chance to increase volume and therefore, yeah, increase the volume at VVO2 max um, and get even good aerobic adaptations despite doing pretty short interval uh, blocks. Exactly, exactly. It's, yeah, and, and again, that's, so, you know, I know you're in the Olympic program and um, it, in the Netherlands and, and for me in New Zealand, well, one of the key things that we saw when we were doing analysis is of training programs across all sports and it was consistency of training that was the key factor that led to those New Zealand Olympia, Olympians that were on the podium versus those that were not on the podium. It was the consistency of training. So in terms of importance, um, being able to train consistent, consistently was one of the key factors. It's, and in, uh, again, in my coaching, it is one of the key things that I'm always trying to do, trying to prevent injury, trying to keep them training almost every day. And yeah, short intervals can allow for that because of this, uh, you know, because of just how powerful they are, they are in terms of the, the variables you manipulate so that you don't run into trouble. You don't always, you know, you don't run into overtraining syndrome because you're always giving them big doses of sympathetic nervous system responses and blood and associated blood lactate um, levels, or you're not giving them big um, blocks of uh, a neuromuscular variable, right, to cause muscle damage. So again, being able to alter the pause ratio using the short interval is it's your most versatile tool that sits in toolbox. I think it's uh, it's really interesting when you compare that to, for example, uh, weight room activities, because it's effectively the same as uh, cluster training, whereby you would take a little break in your set. Um, you've you've pretty much done the same thing and achieved a similar result in a different context. Um, and it's really interesting to see how. Uh, sports science and strength and conditioning moves towards that quality-based approach as opposed to a quantity-based approach um, and finding little ways to make sure that there's uh, that increase in quality for as little cost as possible. Yeah, exactly. Ex exactly. No, no question. Um, and it's kind of going away from the you know, to coin a term like a, a CrossFit kind of kind of model, right? Where it's, you just, you're all in. And that's the key thing. It's the key misunderstanding. I don't know where we went. We went off the rails with it in, uh, in time, but basically there was this whole no pain, no gain type concept that, that manifested uh, across history. And that's never, again, when we go into hit science and we, we were, you know, we wrote our book on that and, we really started in the history of it. It never started that way for coaches. Coaches were never into the no pain, no gain type model. They were just looking at um, clever ways to do a little bit more work, um, but not excessive work. And that really is like, that's, that's the biggest misconception about HIT training is that it's um, no pain, no gain. And that is, it couldn't be like for it to be successful. It couldn't be um, further from the truth. So, you know, you should always be leaving your hit session like you could have done one or two more. Like, um, and, and again, the, the clever programming of the pauses and the recoveries between uh, whatever it might be, whether it might be strength training or 
um, or HIIT training is, is really, really important to take home as a practitioner. Absolutely fantastic. So uh, I'm just conscious of time. Could you give us a quick 30-second summary of what you've discussed and uh, why it's important for us? Well, we've gone in and discussed really the whole concept that we promote in HIT Science, and that is that we need to take a physiological targeting-based approach to our programming. We can we've, We have three key physiological targets, our aerobic, our anaerobic, and our neuromuscular variables. We've spoken in this, uh, this discussion more on the comparison of the long intervals and the short intervals and how both can be used to, um, to, be, to, to hit those physiological targets. Um, certain, certain intervals are more appropriate than others at hitting those targets. And again, this is what we promote with hit, with hit science. And uh, yeah, come check us out if, you, uh, if, if any of this stuff interests you. Absolutely. So we'll make sure there's a link to that one in the show notes. Um, so when we're finished, make sure that you uh, give a quick click on the website. There's also, of course, uh, the book and the course. So um, give that one a click in just a few seconds time. But uh, before you uh, go and have a look in the show notes, I want to give Paul a massive thank you. So uh, Paul, thank you so much for, for your time today. Thanks for having me on, Matt. All the best. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Paul for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coaches Academy. Now, of course, we discuss HIIT training today. However, we all know there's loads of different pieces to the puzzle when it comes to sport and performance. So if you want to check out the Coaches Academy, you can get up-to-date information on seven different areas of sport performance, including career development, injury prevention and rehab, performance nutrition, mindset and health, and recovery and testing. So you can get seven days for free and all you have to do is click the link in the show notes as soon as this podcast is finished. And should you want to stay on for longer than seven days, every week you'll have hours of new content to make sure you're staying up to date with all of the latest information. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Paul for all of his hard work in today's podcast. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next time.